All right. So I'm with my friend Preston here, uh, who runs Exchange Christchurch. Um, we met at Exchange Christchurch when my friend Krishna Murari um, brought me over there um, to show me his studio that he was running from Exchange. Yeah. And his wife was running uh, her studio as well. Um, he was making scarves. I should. I wish I was wearing it right now. Um, yeah. Merino scarves with like um, block printed Sanskrit um, designs. Yeah. And Hillary <clears throat> was making dolls, right? Yeah, courage dolls. Yeah, I like that she calls them courage dolls. It really sets the intention of her work, and they're both studying arts therapy now, which is um, actually she may have she may have finished by now, but yeah, that's that's a uh, such an important thing to be to have around you. So yeah, they were they were really good ones to have here. They're they're a great like, team, definitely. We, yeah. we should I'll put their links in the description or whatever. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yeah, so it was tell nice us about exchange. What is it in a nutshell? Because I know it's um, from our conversation yesterday. Um, I know that's going to be a challenge to put it in a nutshell, but maybe maybe you can do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I think every time that I've explained it, I've explained it differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which probably doesn't, help, probably doesn't help people understand it. Um, but I guess the thing that I always kind of find myself doing is explaining first how this physical space works, because when you're dealing in physical space, it's generally pretty easy to get how it's set up. And when you understand the how, the why, you can start to make sense. Um, and that it also, um, to me, is as much about the uh, you know the social side as it is the spatial spatial side right so the physical side and architecture you know exchange was founded by um, an architect so they were wanting to push what this idea of a um, 21st century city like Christchurch you know is kind of being reborn in a, that post earthquake context um, what does the future cities look like what are their workspaces look and feel like and how do creatives and artists thrive in those and what is the most valuable thing to them and um, it's community and what started as a space and that's what I'll explain and let you kind of get a, um, a sense of how the layout here is set up is actually meant to nurture the connections and the kind of the social social overlapping and I'm um, kind of weaving of different art forms and different people and perspectives and really turn diversity into kind of collective um, knowledge and um yeah, kind of a wider spectrum of understanding, I guess, um, in the creation of art. So I'm standing in the, the main space, um, or what most people see as the main space. It's kind of a cafe by day, um, and then it's um, events by night, um, but we just call it a showcase space. So I think the thing to kind of notice about this space is that we don't like to call it a gallery. A gallery has a particular framework. Um, generally, they take commissions when artwork sells. Um, we don't, we just do things by a flat rate. And that gives the creative uh, an idea of they know what they're committing to and what they want to make back if they were to sell their work. Um, but we also sponsor and subsidize a lot here to um, support mostly emerging artists. That's probably who we attract the most. So it can be something like a group show, like what's on now. So different different artists have brought in works um, to sell. And as part of the, the launch, it was an auction to raise money for Black Lives Matter and other solidarity kind of organizations. But before you showcase things, um, you have to first produce them. So this is the other half of the warehouse that I'm kind of stepping into. 
and I'll just do a little walkthrough. Oh, we'll start back here, actually. You guys can see the whole thing. So we have a watercolor painter here. We have a, a resin and jewelry maker, um, painter and installation kind of builder here, uh, does more three-dimensional stuff, painter. Oh, is that like a brick? Are they actually bricks or is that kind of... Yeah, yeah, so these, like, it's a brick wall painted white and then he's kind of drawn in between the lines of a lot of them to make it, the effects kind of stand out. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And then um, down here we have a jewelry maker, does glass and beads fashion design. Hi, Carrie. Say hi. This is Josh. Hello. <laughs> Illustrators. We have a stop motion animator here. Kind of a... That looks like where Hillary used to work from. Uh, Hillary and Cooper were just up here. So there's a builder there now that builds a lot of furniture and takes care of the facilities. And um, I'll show you one of his tables out in the cafe. They're really beautiful. Postgrad in sustainable fashion, design, graphic design. I'll showcase one of our longer residents here, Kofi, painting. <laughs> nice. Oil painting or acrylic? That painting or acrylic? Sorry. Oils. Oils. Wow, looks great. Yeah. yeah, so they kind of share this space here. Conscious Club, they organize events and uh, speaker series around topics that are relevant to community. Okay. Uh, there was one at the end of the month on mental health. So wow. the collective kind of that work in that space organized those uh, and then uh, he's also a designer and street artist and illustrator. So the idea was um, to look, approach this city and approach its creative community and say, well, most cities have kind of on the fringes these warehouse spaces where artists kind of congregate because it's affordable, it's messy, it's low risk, you know, it's by the train tracks, it's abandoned, whatever that kind of thing looks like. But Christchurch didn't have that. A lot of the old buildings fell down in the quakes. So this was kind of meant to like put a put a you know a stake in the ground for that kind of space so you have production space so you can make stuff once you make something you have to showcase it and when you're showcasing you it you need to connect it with the public so the cafe and the bar give the public this easy and accessible way to come in and see what creatives what artists are working on in the city what their process is like and actually maybe have um be able to assign a value to it that they wouldn't normally have we're so used to things being overproduced and cheap in stores that when we see you know, a handmade or a hand knit, you know, hat or a hood for, you know, 50 bucks. You're like, oh, wow, I'd pay 10 bucks from the warehouse for that. But when you're actually here and you see the effort, you kind of connect with the individual or the artist, and you can actually see that it's coming from a place of, um, you know, creating a livelihood for themselves. And I'm also going to step into my office, which I'll tell you guys a little bit about in a minute. It's a little bit quieter in here. <laughs> so... Yeah, so the goal is to use like the, the spaces in a way that um, we can build the livelihoods as artists and creatives that we want and use the kind of the dense nature of having others around us to give us feedback. Um, the public, obviously, it can be our customers, it can be our clients, they can give us valuable feedback as well. So all of these elements are really just working together to produce an environment for growth. And when, um, like, like, we don't have a lot of programs here. A lot of it's done very on the fly. People might walk in off the street and might be like, I want a studio today. And I want it for a month because I'm producing a show. That's great. Like if, if what you're producing and why you're here aligns with why we exist, then we'll say yes. Yeah. Um, our residency programs, we have two apartments upstairs and most residency programs are formal applications. You have to be here for this amount of time and we expect you to produce this amount of work um, as the, you know, the standard. But we have, 
you know, couch surfers who hit us up that are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a musician and I'd love to play for your community. Can I come and, you know, have a place to stay? And it's like, of course, like you're bringing your art, you know, you're bringing a gift to this community and to this city. Of course we'll host you, you know, it goes without question. So tearing down some of those, like all of those structures and frameworks makes it accessible. And that to me is one of the secret ingredients in, I think, creativity really being permission to come out and, and just not feel like it has to look, feel, um, or behave a certain way. Um, it's really that loose construct that is, the, it's also the fun. <laughs> it's like where all the craziness happens and comes out is whenever we're just like bouncing ideas off of each other and we end up running an event um, that is really weird and um, people enjoy that, you know, it gives us a sense of freedom and enjoyment. So, yes. It sounds very playful. Yeah, it is. And it, I think in, a, in the, I think it's always going to kind of come and go, you know? I think any creative loves like that they get to express themselves, they can be excited about their work, but then there's also the reality of like, you know, is, is this, is this gonna like work forever? Am I, you know, of course you're never gonna feel that way all the time, you know, real life and other things, it is that balance and I think, that's also what helps us appreciate, you know, the art and the uh, you know, that, that freedom to create and express ourselves is whenever we're struggling or we hit a wall and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I feel like I should be productive and I can't. I mean, lockdown was a really big lesson for a lot of us um, on, you know, we pumped, you know, we had to close down for lockdown, but we live upstairs and there, there was a bunch of us living upstairs who would come down and still say like, no, we need this. We need a creative outlet. We need a place to still create. And we actually what created happened? a, what's that? So what, what happened? Like, oh man, we did, we did, we did gender bender renegade nights. We did, we did um, like performance showcases. We worked out, we took care of our, our, our physical bodies. Um, we produced a show called The Rona Report, where we were recording like a news channel, like a fake but real news channel. Um, oh, because... what? a fake real news channel. Yeah, so The Rona Report was our friends taking on different personas and being, you know, um, uh, anchor men or anchor women as if they're, you know, they're reporting the news. And they would just come up with really ridiculous stories of stuff that was like happening in the neighborhood because we all went through it. We all like, we're going a bit like, you know, we were noticing things that we never noticed before or we were bored or whatever. And so we just turned them into stories and started to weave like- was actually happening in the neighborhood. Stuff, yeah, like, or, or like, like, I mean, I don't know, like a, do a dog could have ran past the building and we would have just said like, this dog is on a mission to like do something, you know? And like, and then like three episodes later, the dog would be like, you know, the whole reason this mission happened was because of the, you know, the, uh, what is it, Teslas or, you know, the, the flying satellites or something, you know, like. It's funny that these were recorded. What's that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's an entire, it's an entire series. I'll, I'll make sure to send the link. But yeah. um, the point was that we could also invite our friends from all over the world to submit clips and videos of how they were doing. And they would come up like with really crazy thing. Like, what's your Rona Resi? We call it your Rona Resolution. Instead of your New Year's Resolution, it was your Rona, Rona Resi. As in Corona. Yeah, yeah. So people were sending in, yeah. So people were sending in clips from the UK that were just like, my Rona Resi is to do um, 200 um, stair, stair uh, what do you call it? Like stair slides a, a day. And so he recorded a video of him like going down the stairs on his butt, like do, 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 do. And he'd just do it like over and over again and he'd speed up the video and it was just really funny, you know? Right. So it, it's, it is having this playfulness, like this network 
and a place where um, it also just happens a little more spontaneously. Like we don't have signs here. Like we don't say, do not enter. We don't say, go this way. We don't say studios here or production space. Or we don't say gallery. It, when you come in- you get that idea? Uh, oh, it's, it was definitely, it wasn't my idea. I didn't start it, but it's definitely how I've seen people interact with the space is kind of what I'm learning about is that what is the social, I guess it's the culture, you know, culture is a behavior of a group, right? Or um, there's a lot of different ways to define culture, I guess. But for me, when I think of people who like, like, like let's say walk in right off the street, like yourself, what you're witnessing um, happening is far more important than what the building looks like, right? It's it's more of like what it feels like. And it'll sure. feel a certain way, you know, if people, yeah, if people are arguing at a table, then you're gonna, you might kind of get this energy of just like, oh, is this like, you know, is it therapy here? <laughs> you know, you're, you're, we're always processing things. And we usually base those, those processes have the strongest impressions from what other people are doing. And that to me is really, has really only shown up in the last probably six months or so, um, particularly from experiencing my going to my first burn, um, like Burning Man. Um, a lot of people think it's just a big party in the desert, but it's actually basically a, a, what a society would build like if it was built by artists for a week. Right. That's kind of how I see yeah. how I, it's how a I experience cultural it. element to burn, eh? It's that that is why it exists. It's right. quite interesting, and um, the the fact that it stemmed from a group of friends that wanted to create a counterculture. Um, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to be themselves, they wanted to express themselves, and they wanted right. to invite people to do it with them. And right. so this is where things like flash mobs came from, back okay. in the like 70s, 80s, I think it was more like around the 80s. And, um, you know, this group of friends in San Francisco, they're inspired by activists and, you know, performance groups in Europe called the Situationists. Before them, it was someone else. Before them, it was someone else. Oh, the the the, the religion of what was it encounter? The, re, the the religion of encounter was another group. And the point was that they realized that by doing something as a collective, they would be either giving people something to witness and to learn and to think about, like what art is. You know, you're witnessing it. You know, I'm looking at the art on the walls. What is it telling me? What was going through the artist's head? Right. Or maybe it's a very explicit message. But this was more subtle. It was just like, hey, let's all let's just let's all dress up on in tuxedos, get on a public bus, and um, and have a dinner or have right. a dance party. And by being on that bus, you would feel like if you weren't participating, that like you were almost kind of the odd one out. So for a minute, your the rules that you follow every day or that society says you should follow, you get snapped out of. And yeah. you're actually thinking like, oh, wait, well, what am I supposed to be doing here? Well, this is what everybody else is doing. So have, I've seen this place, the exchange be, because it is experimental, it changes every every day sometimes, <laughs> that people come in here and like they don't know what to expect and it can be really uncomfortable, but they're really getting snapped out of their like, wait, this isn't how a cafe usually works. What's happening here? What's my role? Why is that person doing that? you know what shot what should i be doing and they're just thinking a little bit more deeply about what it means to be accepted in this space versus like stand out as different you know and is that okay and are they given permission to do that are they being encouraged to do that and everybody leans in at different different speeds i guess and um to different depths but having the environment where artists are all constantly testing their 
practice and their environment, you know, and changing their environment um, really gives that permission kind of like without having to ask for it, you know, it's almost automatic. And um, yeah, it's great. People in the cafe will bring canvases and just spread out and start painting or, um, you know, they'll bring the laptops and get get working because they just, they want that environment where they feel like they can be productive and inspired in the same place. What do you think the difference is between what you're creating and the experience people have just in their own homes? Because that's what people do at home, right? They just do what they want and they're just themselves. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're, you're articulating that experience and then creating that experience at exchange for people um, as a business model. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the business model is kind of just what what makes sure that we can continue doing this. Like, it didn't really come with the, the business model being the point. It was just how do we achieve this thing, you know? And to, I guess, to jump back to like why it's here. Our purpose is to cultivate a creative ecology. So to cultivate means to grow or to kind of nurture. Um, creative is operating on this, you know, it could be a cultivating a business ecology, which might mean more like learning accounting skills or law or things like that that associated, but it's not, it's about what is the creative edge. Thanks buddy. Cheers. Nice. Pros. Um, cultivating a creative ecology. So ecology means obviously represents that there's many parts, right? When you, I think of nature and um, I use nature a lot whenever I explain um, what we do or whenever we go a little bit deeper because we are nature, you know, our desire to grow is nature. It's inherent. Like we, like we are constantly, you know, pulled to feel like either one, we are being accepted or being um, proud of something that we're achieving or want to be recognized for it. We want to be, um, you know, the sense of belonging, you know, making sure that you're in an environment that's right. You know, a flower being planted, being surrounded by boulders isn't like, going to get what it really needs right and so with that thought of ecology you think about well like what are what are the nutrients that i'm getting you know like what what's feeding me like quite frankly in an industrial area we get to make a mess but there's not a lot of green space close by so we actually don't have as much of the embodiment and wellness side um of i think what we need to be creative in this location um so if exchange we were to open up somewhere else, I'd want to try to be near a park or some form of nature because I think it's very important. It's a good reset button. It puts us back in line with nature, our natural processes, the way that we, our bodies think and operate. But um, so here, um, getting back in line with nature and the ecology being the purpose um, and, and the experience that we create for people versus being at home is almost like going from being in a pot where you're just expected to, you know, maybe be fed and watered and, you know, be put into someone you need it, or, I guess, and actually being in, in nature <laughs> and being in the environment maybe that you're actually meant to be in. Um, it definitely can feel more of like an extrovert's paradise here <laughs> and maybe an introvert's worst nightmare. But we also, as social creatures, need to learn how to set boundaries, how to say no to things. Um, there's no age, you know, being a kid, a teenager, or an adult, that we stop learning. So my thing is, is why do we tell ourselves that when we stop school, we should know what we're going to be just doing, the same thing from then on, you know, and, and we can stop learning now that we've now that we're done, right? We're done with the school side. 
And um, there's a lot of really great initiatives and approaches that I have, uh, or just my own opinions on education and how education, you could, you could also stop me. <laughs> I can be, I'll, I'll be on a roll. <laughs> I, I, re I realize, but I also realize that you're on a roll and that's when yeah. things get going good. So. I, yeah, if you, if you wanted to bring up education in, in some context, we can get into it later. But I feel like Maybe the, the, purpose, the, the purpose of cultivating, now that I've mentioned cultivation and creativity and emergence, you know, comes from a place of learning and like applying, right? I've learned this now, this is what it changes for me. And that's, that's, that doesn't, that never stops. Um, that's again, part of nature, it's part of who we are and it's everyone's life. So in school, I would say that the general model and why maybe we have some tension with the education system is it's mostly passing on knowledge, right? So you're, you're a, a, a teacher learns something that has been learned and passes it on to a student. They ensure that they've learned it or memorized it so that they, when they go to do that task, that they go to do that task, they, they get it right, right? The more they get it right, the faster they'll go and the further they'll go in their career. So it's kind of like one line, you know, of information, whereas there's a form of pedagogy or, or learning and um, education that I believe in called rhizomatic pedagogy. And the rhizomatic pedagogy is based on the philosophy that like rhizomes, which are plants, um, like um, potatoes are rhizomes, they don't actually have a root system that basically copies and repeats. They have a, a system that is constantly aware and sensing the environment. And then that's why like spuds and like little things pop out of potatoes because it, it's reacting to their, their environment. So imagine if instead in, in school, a teacher says, all right, student, welcome to class. Because you're in this class, in this room, at this time, you're gonna learn this thing. The teacher was to go to a student or invite a student and say, how are you feeling this morning? What, how would you like to learn? from reading, from a video, um, because every day is different. And my, our moods are different. Our mental you know, cognition and a, a availability is different every day. So rhizomatic pedagogy is based on learning by your environment and, um, and that it changes and that it's responsive. And I feel that this type of space and creative, creative spaces all over the world are more geared towards that. Of, there, there's no way that an artist is going to learn all of the same things and therefore pro, um, produce all of the same work and all of this all of the same results like that's almost the opposite <laughs> so what would the opposite of that education system be in a, you know in an environment that's changing all the time the food changes all the time the people change all the time um, the, the hours change all the time the events change all the time and that can sound really chaotic um, and it's not for everyone, but it feels like it is that missing piece. Like we have this, you know, that we've been practicing for a long time of education and, and working, you know, in offices, in cubicles. But this idea of open space and co-working is becoming much more, right. yeah, yeah, like celebrated. Yeah. It sounds like, like, it's cool that you acknowledge that it's not for everyone. And like, you know, you also alluded to that in regards to introverts as well so the, you know with regards to the personality and with regards to the habit of the person yeah. um, you know so if they're really used to structure and have no spontaneity in their life yeah. um, 
this sounds like a great place for them. It reminds me of something I learned about architecture how most architectural movements are a response to the previous one. They kind of, it's like beautiful, ornate design. was the thing and then comes along something like brutalism where it's the opposite and that's kind of how artists and fashion and trends and what's in vogue seem to play out it's like let's do the opposite let's rebel it's this kind of yeah fresh let's start afresh and so that's kind of sounds like what you're doing as well you're a kind of a trendsetter um in that you're you're noticing okay what's where you're almost seeing this kind of um i don't know what it's called but like a meter you're seeing okay Mm -hmm. society is going too far over here now let's 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 have some fun (laughs) let's bring it look at way back yeah and and it's it's cool that you you're able to position yourself to actually do that and have that kind of influence through your your space like yeah yeah, there's a couple of like really wild things that it took to get here too, because there is to me the the, the just that foreign thing, and that that's you know activism or protest. It is like cars belong in the street. No, I'm going to stand in the middle of the street with my message. Like you know that is in your face. It's immediate and it's you know it's um, yeah it demands like attention and so that 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 to me is that's flicking the dial. We certainly do not belong uh, or necessarily feel like we belong in the arts in this city. Um, it celebrates the arts celebrate often the final product, right? The finished product. Um, Christchurch and a number of other cities I've been to. Um, does create exclusivity as a way of withholding value of, and protecting value, right? So certain people who are, um, you know, who, who have done the work for the years to get a name for themselves are only allowed in this place or at this time, right? And we, I think we have to have that, but the, we, we kind of flip the dial. We're just, you know, our, our last exhibition was if you made it during lockdown, if there was a painting, if it was a poem, if it was whatever, come in and hang it on the walls, find a hammer, find a nail, put it on the wall. And we had, I think, over 100, 120 pieces, and just like the walls were just caked. And we had poems hanging from the ceiling. We've had we had backpacks that were made during lockdown, and it was chaos. And everyone loved it. <laughs> they were just like, this, you know, this piece of art that I made during lockdown means so much to me because we, all, it, you know, of what we were going through maybe emotionally and around us. And when they brought it in to hang it up, they looked at me and they're like, you're the first human I've seen in like, you know, six or like eight weeks. <laughs> Thank you. And as the artwork started to fill the walls, everyone coming in was, was like, wow, we all just went through this together. Yeah. And, we had, and we all got to have a creative outlet. Imagine people out there who don't have a creative outlet. Imagine people out who are out there who don't have, or I don't think they, I think everyone has a creative outlet. They just haven't found it yet. <laughs> and, um, or, believe in, or believe in themselves enough to explore it and owned uh, it. maybe like I, I think I hear what you're saying it's like yeah everyone's doing something as an outlet um, or maybe they have something that they um, they they would like to do but they don't give themselves permission to do it for whatever reason um, is that kind of what you mean yeah definitely like I, I think everybody who 
everybody who went through has realized that they have their own processes but then by coming together and doing a show they realized like that they had i think three things that they like gratitude for their creative outlet gratitude for a place where it it, it, it could make that invitation of like if you made it do it show it and so the physical place and then again the community of people you know i saw people stand here and just cry looking at, i i did <laughs> numerous times stand and just look and be like wow like look at how different we're all, we all are but we all just went through the same exact thing and it united us you know it united everyone who participated and i think it made people who came to the opening i mean look i'm crying talking about it it's just how it is <laughs> and, you know everyone who came to the opening feel almost maybe think like man i wish i made something or i wish i brought that thing that i made i didn't realize like that i am an artist and that we all are right and because it's been perceived as oh unless you're in a gallery or unless you come from the school or unless you've made it this far now you can claim this title right and um this is a bit of that counter counterculture i guess to that in right. that flicking the needle yeah. um a bit more of the in your face of like you you are creative not prove it you know <laughs> like i invite you and so those are the the three things i think that socially kind of happens behind the scenes is that noticing of like oh there's a space for this um there's this thing within myself that I'm capable of and then there's other people doing it too and that those all work really well together when um when you when you're trying to 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 prompt and develop and encourage growth yeah which brings me to the thing that I want to talk about but we've run out of time to talk about okay you was nice. good um you know that person who's the prompter the facilitator the accommodator of all this and the person who's in a position um to to you know you, you're kind of um the last time we talked which was yesterday um we talked about um social engineering and then yeah. we and that led to well I kind of called it social engineering and then you seem to describe it more as stewardship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well I think it's just because engineering to me has a few preconceived ideas um you know like of what an engineer is is doing which is like to me it's around metrics and measurements and there's like something there and when I thought of stewardship I thought again of like relationship to something that you care for. Sure. And, and yeah and it's like a steward of like a garden well, fathering like fathering is also kind of social engineering and i use the word social architecture um yeah. you know when you said social engineering i said oh social architecture and yeah, i was exactly. like you know we have <laughs> these different ways of putting it but yeah stewardship to me is the one that sits at the center and yeah it's a great topic yeah i love that i i think um i yeah i look forward to part two of this and um you're still down to do that tomorrow um yeah let's explore this idea um because I, i'm starting to see it more as like you're you're just playing the role of like a father and like this is uh-huh. just at home like yeah it's very cool um so yeah we'll we'll have to leave it there but um you know i just want to acknowledge you or i do acknowledge you for um your the role that you play for people in your community um it's certainly it's just inspiring um and yeah. you've you, you've got some power you, mm-hmm. you're a powerful man for your age mm-hmm. what like 20 28 how, how old are you yeah i started here when i was 24 and i'm 28 now yeah cool 
Um, yeah, I, I will say, I will say too, the great, the best lead into stewardship um, is that there's people who practice it and understand, maybe can get into a depth of stewardship with the community or with the space or in that role. But I feel like you've been an excellent steward of this conversation because this would not have happened without your your guidance and your your prompt. And so stewardship is a is a is, it's a it's a fluid <laughs> role. And like when I'm not when I'm not in this space, I expect other people to be stewards of it, and to care yeah. for it, and to care for each other. So I yeah I appreciate. Thank you for inviting me, and I can't wait to get into more tomorrow. And yeah, I feel really well held in the conversation and i'm yeah, excited awesome bro cool let's talk tomorrow catch you later peace right, see you guys